Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, absolutely. I know, absolutely. Melissa's I making a face. We got a hard stop. We got to get going. Hey, guess what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Drunk Dish, oh. where three oh. delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. This is episode four of season two, and our topic this episode is violent acts and violent delights, the language Ooh. of men. <laughs> uh, I forgot also, I put that subtitle in there. The, the story of Hellraiser as well. Uh, <laughs> okay. Happy Halloween. I'm Melissa. I'm Kate. I'm Amy. Oh, whoa. We did it. We did it. We did it. We get so excited every time we pull that off. I, yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. (laughs) You got to pat yourself on the back for the little things. Yeah. Yeah. In this world. (laughs) It's true. Uh, We didn't talk about this at all. So I hope that Kate has a question. But, you know, question. Okay, good. 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 Uh, So, yeah, every episode, Kate likes to ask us a food related question. So, Kate, shoot. Um, we didn't talk about this earlier, and it's probably an unfair question because it's kind of a weird one. But is there anything, and I don't think we've exactly spoken about this before, is there anything that you refuse to cook? Yeah, most meat. <laughs> I was going to say, there's going to be a lot of things. And mushrooms. Uh, I will throw up if I touch a mushroom mushrooms yeah and it's okay like it like mushrooms are real trendy right now don't come for me foragers like i not yeah not everybody likes mushrooms but it's nope. like a texture thing like i just can't i, I can't that. deal with the way that they feel i don't like the way that they taste um okay kate kate you want to see amy gag i bet i can get her to gag oh what do you think about canned mushrooms amy <laughs> no. i mean i'm kind of real slimy no uh, got a real weird texture uh, even when cooked yeah i last time i cooked with mushrooms i got canned mushrooms and i like wore gloves so that they wouldn't accidentally touch me canned mushrooms and then because it was something for jake is is your only experience with mushrooms canned mushrooms no i've tried i bought fresh mushrooms for the recipe and i had to slice them and i like touched it i was like oh god no this is no Okay. And then I went back to the grocery store and was like, I'm buying canned pre-sliced mushrooms. The, oh, they were pre-sliced. I'm like, but then you have to touch canned mushrooms, which are like slimy. Yeah. And then I just drained them. Like I held them out at arm's length and just drained them. Now you're making me gag. This was to make you gag. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not me. I could tell you a really gross story about mushrooms, but I don't know that I want that on the podcast. But oh, I don't no. know that I want Ooh. that in my brain. Yeah, it has to do with a bathroom accident. Mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> not mine. It wasn't me. <laughs> to I'm be clear, in, yeah. it wasn't me. Maybe I'll These tell you guys the... offline. If someone really wants to know, you can ask me on social and I'll tell you. <laughs> but we're not going to dig into it tonight. Wow. Wow. Okay. Thank you. But mushrooms and most meat, you said? Yeah, I, like I'm okay with like certain cuts of chicken, but like I could never cook like a whole chicken or like mm-hmm. anything that I have to really you know process mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. do stuff mm-hmm. too or the things that have bones in them i can't cook um okay. 
Yeah, which is weird because I'm a firm believer that like people should know where their food comes from. If you're a meat eater, like you have to acknowledge that it is a living thing. But like when I go to eat it, I want absolutely no reminders. That no this proof. Is yeah. one's alive. I'm baffled by people that make dishes where like they have like the fish head still on or whatever. Oh. And I'm like it mm. looking at you. Yeah. It's looking you in your face as yeah. you're eating it. Why mm-hmm. would you want that? Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Gross. No, thank you. Gross. I remember um, this one time, Melissa, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt no, it's okay. you. I remember this one time, Melissa, it's when you were not eating meat and we were, I was making food and it was a roast chicken and I made some comment, like I think I was like cleaning out the chicken and I made a comment about how grotesque it it was and you were basically like, well, you could just not eat meat. (laughs) And I was just (laughs) like, did I really? Yeah. And but oh, it was God, so I'm sorry. Like, but it was no, no, no. But it was so like that's such an asshole thing to say, no, though. But it wasn't because I was so grossed out about it. And it, no, I don't you, think you were trying to say like you shouldn't eat meat. I think you were trying to say, well, probably you could just was. not eat meat. Like you could just not make that. Like if that's if that's if that's too gross. Yeah, that. I've it's certainly changed. Time, but I still think about that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You ever wonder like what people remember I feel like of you? I wasn't that bad of a vegan or a vegetarian, but no, that no. Like, I, makes like me said, sound I didn't, awful. I didn't take it like <laughs> like you're a terrible. You might have been thinking it inside, but you didn't say. It on I the don't outside. think I, like, I don't even remember you're a this person for cooking that. It was basically just no. like it was just like you could just not make that, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then you wouldn't have to go through this awful experience. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I can yeah. see where my logic would have come from, but where I am now, that just is. A bizarre statement to come from me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but that, it is true amy like you never know like what what little weird things like stick in in your brain that's yeah. like oh that's just like a little so anytime i roast a chicken and i'm grossed out by it i'm like i could just not do this <laughs> yeah i remember what melissa said yeah <laughs> sorry so melissa what's your what's your thing i hate i hate i well i mean i don't hate it when greg roasts a whole chicken because then i get to eat roast chicken yeah, oh it's delicious and he does a really good job but he butterflies it so like i can hear him mm. like cracking bones and stuff and i'm just like no so up until very 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 recently i did not cook any meat i think i once in my life i had attempted to cook a chicken breast and it, it did not go well because i'm so paranoid about meat yeah um that I like just I cook the shit out of it like yeah but recently I've been trying to like get you know get better at cooking because I'm not a cook at all and you know some it's it's not always fair for Greg to have to make dinner every single night like so or for me when I so when I was making dinner like once a week I would only make like vegetarian stuff mm-hmm. um, so I did like a lot of pasta and then of course like we were eating a lot of like not very healthy stuff mm. because that's what I was cooking so recently I've started to try and kind of cook a little bit more meat but so far I've only cooked chicken thighs and drumsticks in this like Latin chicken kind of stewy thing mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. so I don't really have to do anything to them well. You do have to because they're bone in thighs and drumsticks, but we can't find bone in without the skin. And because they get cooked in a sauce, you don't want the skin. So I make Greg clean them and take all the skin off for me just because I don't like touching raw meat. I told him I would do it. I was just going to wear gloves, but he was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, And it was really good. So we I've made it like three or four times at this point Mm -hmm. um, because it's really, really delicious. Um, 
So like I would never cook like veal, but I would never eat veal. Yeah. Um, so like there's stuff like that. Um, and I'm still very hesitant about meat, but I can't really say, oh, I'd never cook meat. Like there are certain dishes I would probably never make just because they seem like a lot of faff for no reason. Like I would never make a beef Wellington, mm. which I actually enjoy a beef Wellington, but like I would never make one. Yeah. Because it's just why it's a lot also greg would be like you're gonna put a filet in pastry what are you doing right fuck you just give me the filet yeah um i would probably never cook a filet uh just because it's such an expensive cut of meat so stuff like that that's more about my ability Mm -hmm. i don't think there's anything that like i mean i would never cook like liver but that's just stuff i don't like yeah gross yeah yeah because livers i mean no shame to people that do eat it again it's tough, especially as Americans, you see other cultures and stuff that they use every part of the the animal. Uh, and it's like, that's good. You want that. But right. I see people making stuff and I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, no, nope. yeah. no. Nope. So I wish I was more a more adventurous eater and cooker and would try awful or would try blood pudding, which just the thought that people eat that stuff is baffling mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. But. Uh, and other white people eat blood pudding. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's, you grew up with it or you don't, didn't grow up with it. I think. Yeah. Sort of. this no, is, I feel that way about like, uh, like the food prep stuff too, about seafood. Mm. Cause like a lot of it feels really inhumane. So my only thing that I've ever come across that I will refuse to cook is a lobster like yeah. i will not cook a lobster oh really yeah i, love I mean yeah lobster. i would never yeah i would never cook a lobster i i love lob- I can't I, kill I eat lobster every I, single day and i realize that that's terrible because they have little families that i just because they mate for life and they yeah. mate for life and <laughs> yeah. all that stuff yeah i love lobster but i will not cook a lobster you like can it is buy it pre-killed right which oh, i no. think is what you've but done see, in the past see that's that's different like a yeah, yeah I, okay i guess you're not cooking me, it I'll, I'll say this i would not boil a lobster i would not steam a lobster if you bring me live lobster it is not going to be cooked by me um, yeah yeah never no ever, I, ever, yeah ever. I, i'm right there with you yeah the, that's ugh. the what i mean i'm sure there are other things that i haven't ever come across but that's my one bugaboo and then yeah <laughs> yeah one. i didn't like, know that i never like just because i know how much you love lobster i, I never like yeah thought so about the, it the fact that they'll steam it at the grocery store is great like yeah like yeah no i will not put it in the pot i will not nope stab nope. it in and the head i don't know why i don't feel this we same should way make a green steamers. eggs and book uh, ham book but like yes, all the I stuff will not, that we won't i cook. will not uh put it in the pot i will not turn it on to boil <laughs> i will not yeah um, i will not listen to it scream yeah. exactly exactly yeah yeah um yeah i don't feel the same way about like clams um like I'll throw clam like steam like to steam clams yeah. for whatever reason I don't know um and I don't feel the same way about like like I'll clean a fit like I'll catch a fish and do the whole thing if fish I fish bones to. freak me out yeah yeah well, I, I can't can... like it's some we've there's been in the past where we've gotten like haddock and I've gotten a bone and it ruins the entire meal for me because then the rest of the time I'm thinking about if there are any other yeah yeah bones in it mm-hmm. and it freaks me out so i can't imagine cleaning like i wouldn't be i would tear it apart 
Yeah. 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 Trying well, to get like, all I mean, the bones and stuff out. Yeah. yeah. But no, a lobster is that's my that's the that's my hard line right there. <laughs> Interesting. Oh. <laughs> on that on that note, Melissa, what are we drinking tonight? <laughs> Oh boy! Is it uh, um, Negroni Spagliato? Negroni Spagliato. You have to make the big pause in between. Yep. Kate probably doesn't know what we're talking I about. Don't. Oh. She's not on TikTok. Yeah, it's, it. It was a uh, an interview on HBO uh, between the two female leads of the House of Dragon show, or excuse me, the two leads of the House of Dragon show. One is female. One is uh, non-binary. Excuse me. Um, they both play female characters. Okay. Um, but they are talking, they're interviewing each other. HBO has been doing that a lot for like promotions for yeah, the Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've seen a couple yeah. of those. Sorry, yeah. Melissa, first sidebar of the episode. <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, they, they asked each other what each other's favorite cocktails were and, um, uh, Emma, they answered like really kind of seductively and every bisexual person lost their mind on the internet ah, gotcha. uh, and the audio went trending and bars ran out of the ingredients to make said cocktail and <laughs> chaos ensued and a bunch a bunch of gay people realized that they do not like negronis and negronis mm. uh this okay. past two weeks yeah so. negronis are bitter yeah but i would i much prefer a negroni spagliato over just a regular negroni cuz i mean you put prosecco in it and you immediately make it better <laughs> i wish that i was drinking a negroni spagliato tonight um <laughs> but to keep with our uh because this will be our halloween episode ooh, ooh, um i wanted to pick like a halloween kind of cocktail but it also needed to have some historical context i didn't want it to just be a brand new yeah cocktail of course the one i ended up picking had barely any history so it might as well have been a new cocktail <laughs> um but also i feel like it's going to be disgusting um ooh, okay I'm, that's fine i'm keeping fun. it really cold so i've got the mixers here so i've got all the ingredients in this and then i have ice in here mm -hmm. And I'm like keeping it cold and I'm going to shake it on air because I have a feeling that it's going to need to be really, really cold. And it, I have a feeling that it's going to be disgusting. Um. <laughs> this is going to be fun to witness from afar since we're recording. Remotely. Um, so it is called the Brain Duster. Oh, OK. Um, so the Brain Duster is um, one ounce of rye whiskey, one ounce of absinthe. Um, although in this variation, I upped the rye to one and a half ounces and I downgraded the absinthe to half an ounce. Um, just cause I know that I, I already know that I don't like absinthe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one ounce, oh shit, I forgot the Angostura bitters. Oops. One ounce of sweet vermouth, a dash of Angostura, um, aromatic bitters, and then a lemon twist. Oh, um, I don't have a lemon twist, but I do have, I started getting a cocktail subscription box. And they have this really adorable bottle of orange oil that's like in a little spritzer. Oh, cool. Ew. So I'm going to use that to spritz that at the end. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to like shake this real quick. I'm sorry. That's kind of like a little break. Um, but I also think it's probably supposed to be stirred. Let me reread my notes. Um, add it all together. Yeah. Stir for 30 to 45 seconds. Strain into a cocktail glass. Garnish with a lemon twist. Um, I'm diluting it. That's why I'm shaking it. Mm -hmm. That's such a fun noise. It is a it fun is noise. Fun. <laughs> ah. 
so yeah so the idea is obviously it's a stirred cocktail you don't want to get a lot of ice and like ice chips in it um it is served in a cocktail glass straight up so like i have a one of my cute little nick and nora glasses mm, um, that, that was in the freezer so but we talked too long so it's not cold anymore <laughs> um but it's supposed <laughs> to be a very smooth a very smooth, a very velvety drink, mm-hmm. which mine isn't going to be because I aerated the shit out of it and made it really cold. Um, one of the fun things about it, too, is that it's like a nice orange color. Nice. Again, if I didn't shake it. So, like, I'll show I'll show you guys it. Ooh. So if I didn't shake it, if I just stirred it like I'm supposed to, it'd be much clearer. It's a little bit cloudy. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Um, OK. Oh, you can really smell that absinthe. <laughs> All right. Uh, for people that don't know, absinthe uh, made famous because it has wormwood in it. And if you consume a lot of wormwood, it can like have hallucinogenic effects and stuff. But straight up absinthe, it's high proof. So like it'll get you drunk, but you're not going to like see the green fairy or anything. Um, <laughs> What's the point then? <laughs> it's high proof. Oh. Um, but the wormwood has a very strong anise uh, licorice flavor. So, ugh. yeah. Right. Oops, I sprayed right onto my finger and set it into the glass. <laughs> I'm like, nothing's coming out. Oh, it's because it's all over your finger. Okay, so now there's a lovely smell of orange in the air. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going back in. I took a screenshot of your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's not on the front. It's not too bad. Mm. And you really get like the aroma of the orange oil, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But then the absinthe kicks in. <laughs> Completely obliterates the rye and the vermouth that's in it. Like obliterate, like the... And that's there is half a, as much that's half as much absinthe as you were supposed to put in it. Yeah. There was another variation that I found online that had essentially just a bar spoon of absinthe in it um, and two ounces of the rye whiskey so that you could like actually take taste the other flavors. But I wanted to mostly do the original recipe, um, even though I ended up at the last minute when I was pouring everything and I was like, I cannot do a whole ounce of this so a little bit of history about it so one of the things that i thought about when reading about this and now especially drinking it is that um the brain duster can really be likened to like the hitchhiker's guide uh pan galactic gargle blaster Mm. uh (laughs) which you don't know what i'm talking about uh read a book uh or go watch a movie specifically that one book um yeah yeah, specifically that (laughs) book um the pangalactic gargle blaster, I think in the book is described as like wrapping a lemon. What is it? It's like wrapping a lemon and a brick in a cloth and then bashing you upside the head with it or something. <laughs> something like that. Um, but this oh, doesn't have Douglas that pleasant uh, lemon flavor. Um, but in the sense that like it absolutely rocks your brain, like it's a very high proof uh, drink. Also, the name Brain Duster is actually uh, more in olden times, but still now is what it's called when you like slap someone upside the head for being an idiot. Really? Um, (laughs) Yeah. They need a good brain duster. 
um, to stop being fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so supposedly this was invented in 1895 by a bartender um, named George J. Capeller. I think it's Capeller. Capeller? Capeller. Capeller. Um, so the original drink is in modern American drinks. And the description for it is one pony, which is an ounce. So one pony absinthe, half pony Italian vermouth, half pony whiskey, two dashes gum syrup stirred, strained and filled with seltzer, which is not this drink at all. Um, And then the one 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 recipe was a variation made at the uh, Waldorf Astoria bar. And their variation, they called the Waldorf, not the brain duster. But none of this makes any sense because per usual cocktail history is all fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I read some places that said that Kapler, who supposedly invented the brain duster, worked at the Waldorf, but then why would the Waldorf in the early 1900s make a variation called the Waldorf? Um, but then also you can't find out like anything about this guy, like our old Georgie here, uh, <laughs> he's the author uh, apparently, maybe he was a bartender at Holland House in New York, so no mention of the Waldorf. Uh, and he was definitely the author of Modern American Drinks, which came out in 1895, which is considered by some to be the finest 19th century cocktail book. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like it. That's all there is about him. Like if you look him up, he doesn't even have a death date. I think maybe he's still alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, he's a vampire. Maybe. Yeah. Um, So he doesn't have a death date or anything. The only thing is, according to Cocktail Kingdom Library, um, except for his book, Kapler remains a complete mystery, leaving behind no clues about his life and raising the possibility (laughs) that the book was actually published under a pseudonym. What if it was a woman? Like, (gasps) it could have been. Austin. But they said that they know, uh, like, that he worked at this hotel, supposedly. But then... It just doesn't make any sense. And this was like literally there were like three websites that had any information about this drink besides just the recipe mm-hmm. and about the author. So like there's nothing else out there. It's, it's and, a mystery. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, uh, this has nothing to do with the drink. I'm going to apologize to listeners because because someone's not wearing headphones. Um, I can hear both myself and Amy <laughs> talking. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, not picking you guys up on the thing. Uh, okay, so. well, StreamYard is. <laughs> oh. mm. Hopefully it'll be fine because <laughs> I, I don't need- know that we can stop and put on headphones right now. Do we need to but- pause and I'll get headphones? I think headphones is a good idea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Hold we'll up. pause. We'll have to reclap. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, seems... Now I have to remember. Right Now I have to remember that there's two claps. Write it down. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ah, I don't have anything to write on. Here, I'll text you. I'll just text. I'm, there's two claps. There's I two moved claps. Ev- the second I one moved is everything. 30 minutes. Check I for moved the clap. everything off of my desk to make room for my drink setup. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyways, we don't know anything really about the author. We know very little about the drink. Um, I personally think the drink is disgusting. Um uh, not my taste. Real facial expressions. Not my taste. <laughs> it's essentially a Manhattan with absinthe, is what it is. And I actually really enjoy a Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the the licorice just is so powerful. It just like punches you in the face. 
uh, or in the brain, rather. Well, and I'm not here for in, it. I mean, does what it's intended to do, then I guess. But we'll see how I am in about 20 minutes. Mm, cool. Because <laughs> cool. it's a very high proof drink. Drink it all. I'm gonna. <laughs> like, there's some expensive alcohol hey, in can't here. Waste I'm not, it. Yeah, I'm not going to just not drink it. I made a, I got the subscription box that it came with three drink recipes, sidebar. Uh, and I made all three and I, I really liked two of them, although they're all made with mezcal. And apparently I'm not a big fan of mezcal. It's like tequila, mm. but really savory mm. and really smoky. Yeah. Um, but it also had this kind of odd like menthol aftertaste, which I'm not crazy about. Yeah, that doesn't sound but, good. But yeah, but two of them I liked. And then one was very like very mezcal forward. And that one I absolutely hated. And Greg's like, don't drink it, dump it out. And I'm like. That's like a $60 bottle of mezcal. I'm not going to just dump this out. Right. Spoken like, like a straight edge nerd. Like I am drinking it. <laughs> also, if I drink it enough, I might like it. That's right. As a straight yeah, edge Mike. nerd? What? Yeah. Greg, Greg, the straight edge nerd. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were talking about. Okay. No, that makes sense. That you were talking about me. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally straight edge. Mm. This whole podcast is a lie. Yep. It's just a persona. Um, it's like Johnny Cash lying about going to prison. <laughs> Did he lie about going to prison? He never went to prison. He went to jail once. After no, I he... didn't. I, I didn't think he did go to prison. I just knew he played in prisons. Yeah, that was later in his career. It's a whole, it's a oh. whole thing. Yeah, I didn't know that he claimed to have been in prison, I guess. I he didn't just know didn't that. correct people. I don't think he ever was yeah, like, yes, I've been to prison. You know? Yeah, that he's well, saying I sh- a lot I of heard, songs. I heard, I heard a rumor that he shot a man in Reno. <laughs> you're not going to pre- anyways yeah. uh yeah so that's all i have on the brain duster mm. uh amy cool what do you got about these uh violent men and their violent delights so much violence um so really with the westworld vibes it's like yeah. all i can think of <laughs> i was watching a lot of westworld i think was that it I made vi- this these violent line. delights have violent ends yeah, I think so. Is that what it is? I, I think, think that's so. what it is. Yeah. I mean, Evan Rachel Wood says it. She can make anything sound sexy. So Yeah. It's amazing. So sidebar about Westworld. Those of you who haven't seen the final season. I have it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> your face. <laughs> I tried to talk while it you was hate still on my tongue a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it stayed for a second instead of me just glugging it down. Sorry. Go ahead. I have not seen. We watched. The last one, but then I was kind of like over it now that they weren't in the park anymore. Yeah, same. But we, I, I am like, I need, I'm a completionist. I need the story to be done. Um, so I watched the final season, and the whole time I was just like, these actors are acting their asses off with this, like the worst fucking television writing I oh, have ever bad? experienced. Yes. Oh, yes. that's she, too bad. She's like a writer in the final season. Like, and she's like, new story idea. There's a girl who's alone. Okay, so it's the new Halloween movie. That's like the story idea. And I'm (laughs) like, don't write that down. That's not an idea. That's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is a writer in the new Halloween. Oh, that's fun. Okay. And it's real cliche. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like anytime writers write about writers, they're just like trying to make themselves more important i don't know yeah it's weird sidebar, i say that as a as someone who loves writing <laughs> sidebar comment about the new halloween mm-hmm. i know people hate it i don't want to fucking hear about it 
I know I just made a joke about how Jamie Lee Curtis is a writer and like she writes terrible shit and it's dumb, but I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear you nerds talk about how like they ruined Halloween. Yeah. That's all. The, have you seen the original Halloweens? Have you seen the middle chat? Oh, that's all. I, that's it. Okay. okay sidebar. Over. I just want to make sure nobody. Like the la- is it like the last Halloween or is it Halloween like- ends? Yeah. It just came out. Yeah. Greg and I watched it the day it came out, which was like last week or something. Is this the one that you were so excited about or is this a different yes. one? No, we were very excited for it. It was fine. There's a lot of dumb shit in it and people are really mad. There's a petition going around to make the them reshoot it. Because people That's can't dumb. handle when stuff gets made that they don't like. Wow. Oh my God. Maybe you're not babies. Okay. Babies that need to go outside. All right. Yeah. Sidebar over. Okay. So let's go. Uh, we're talking about violence today. Lots and lots of violence. Violence in uh the suffrage movement. And like how violence is a necessary sometimes part of any kind of social change. And the recipe we're going to be talking about later is uh, turtle soup. Um, And we're going to so I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of turtle soup. I'm going to talk a little bit about the woman who submitted it as a recipe to the suffragette cookbook. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about violence in the suffragette movement also. Because all these three things are, are kind of related. in the turtle movement. Viol- yeah, there's a lot of violence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Justice for turtles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I first, I'm going to, we'll have to link to this somewhere. But there was a really great uh, article I read in part of my research on this website called, um, I think it's supposed to be savor, like savoring food but it's spelled s-a-v-c-v-u-r yeah. yeah um so i feel like i should be pronouncing it like luminaire from beauty and the beast but i'm <laughs> not how you pronounce like that savoir? it's lumiere <laughs> yeah Lum- like ewan mcgregor playing luminaire in the newest beauty like a horrible french accent Lum- oh. lumiere lumiere yeah. lumiere oh i thought that's it was how lumiere. i thought it was pronounced lumiere i don't know I'm yeah. going to get my Disney card revoked. But anyways, <laughs> uh, it's OK. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he uh, the the guy who wrote this article for that online uh, website did a really great job. It's called uh, Whatever Happened to Turtle Soup. And he goes, it's like comical and ridiculous. And the people he runs into are amazing. Um, but he chronicles the history of Turtle Soup really, really well. So I'm going to be drawing on a lot of his research and reporting. Um, but he also goes like turtle hunting in it so if you are adverse to reading about animal cruelty please don't read the article um but the characters he encounters in the deep south are are uh, fascinating fascinating to this new england woman okay um (coughs) i'm gonna have to say the word cooter that's a type of turtle isn't it uh, it's what they call turtles uh, in like southern slang. Apparently, is that- I think cooter is an actual type of turtle, though. Hmm. Well, so there's like there's cooter. a bunch of it, it might be there's a yeah, bunch of different names for turtle soup, and one of them is cooter in a pot. Yeah, it's the turtles that you find like up here and stuff. A lot of them are are river cooters. <laughs> I know what you say. You can't stop giggling. <laughs> river cooter no oh, look at this baby river oh, cooter <laughs> oh god we're no. off the rails already <laughs> okay 
Oh, um, turtles are so cute. Oh my god, they are so, so cute. cute. So I just, I just want to preface all of this. I have never eaten turtle soup. I will never eat turtle soup. I think the so idea of turtle soup is horrible. Apparently, if we start. If we start the YouTube channel where we cook stuff from the show, this will not be a recipe that no, makes an appearance. No. no. Um, okay, good to know. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. Um, so back in the 18th and 19th centuries, there used to be like turtle soup was so popular. It was really popular in England. It was really popular in North America among white colonials. Um, and it was so popular that people had uh, parties. So they would like find massive turtles back when there was a better and bigger turtle population in North America. And they would uh, get together a crew and they would hunt turtles and they would kill the turtle and then they would use its shell as a bowl, like as like a big soup dish. Right. Yeah. And then serve it in that. And then they would throw turtle frolics. Um, and it was like, Isn't think that, of like a hog like barbecue. The opposite of turtle, turtle frolicking at that point. I mean, <laughs> the turtle's not the one the frolicking. The turtles are not frolicking. <laughs> but then it was like an oyster roast or like a hog barbecue or like something like that. Or like a, you know, like if you, um, go to Hawaii on vacation, which you shouldn't because there's no potable drinking water there don't right now. Don't go to Hawaii. Don't go to Hawaii. But you know how like you always see in movies, I've never been to Hawaii, but you always see in movies like the like um like kind like of like lua. pig roast yeah. where they like bury the mm -hmm. the the hog. Yeah. Like it's like a whole event that's built around like this one main dish. So like turtle we had soup a pig was, roast when I was a kid. Sorry. I can't I don't uh. I have a traumatic experience from going into the basement and not knowing that there was an entire pig <laughs> hung up in the basement oh, in plastic. No. Did I tell you my traumatic pig experience? Sidebar, traumatic pig experiences, go. <laughs> I, uh, my neighbor across the street, who, uh, when I was a kid, he was like kind of like a second dad to me. I was really close friends with his daughters. Um, he got a pig um, and I would go over there after school every single day and I would help feed the pig and like wash oh, the pig no. and we would take care of the pig. Oh, no. And then like oh, one no. morning, my mom cooked bacon and she and the pig's name was Brock. We named it after a family friend because we thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> and we were having bacon and my mom was like, or my dad said, actually, it was my dad. Um, How do you like that bacon? And I was like, it's delicious. Why? And he's like, because that's Brock. Your dad's such an asshole. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I'm sorry. Like Why would you do it that way? Life. Why would you do it that way? You Why would you not it use funny. it as a teacher? You never have to do it at all. Like you just you don't have. Well, to yeah, yeah, he didn't have to say anything. But I get if you're trying to teach your child like the circle of life. And if you're going to eat meat, this is where meat comes from, even though it would still be traumatic because you guys like took care of it and named it. And if yeah. you didn't know that it was going to become food, I think that's really fucked up. Yeah, I think that that was the thing is like if I had known all along, I think it would have been OK because I grew up like around farm stuff you know like i've like rode horses like i helped take care of other farm animals like i understand the circle of life in general but i didn't know why he got up like we're not in a farm like our neighborhood is like a right. suburb like yeah no yeah. that's like i won the pig at the at the county fair yeah. and i need to raise the pig yeah yeah, so. I mean, I still ate the pig at the pig roast. I was just traumatized by its its dead corpse yeah. in our basement, just and I mean, hanging there like a horror movie. Yeah, that's like that's <laughs> messed up to like just walk into too. And we like, had a creepy basement. We had like an unfinished basement, so like half of it was dirt. 
Oh, like a root. Like cellar. it was like a, mur- and it had a lot of really tiny rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like a murder basement. Mm-hmm. But I, sorry. Oh God, you're talking about turtle soup. <coughs> yeah, yeah. They ate out of the shell. Something about turtle frolics. Yep. So <laughs> there were there were uh, turtle frolics. So like I said, they would use the turtle shells. They would fill it. They would turn them upside down. Um, and they'd use it like a giant bowl. They'd serve turtle stew and turtle soup for really large crowds. And like it was such a popular thing that literally any cookbook that was published at this time in the 18th, 19th centuries had a recipe for turtle soup. Sometimes it was called turtle soup, sometimes terrapin soup, sometimes snapper stew, and sometimes cooter stew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was so. really muddy. <laughs> what? I bet it was really muddy. Like yeah, what, so, what, what you imagine what a turtle tastes like any amphibious kind of creature. I feel like muddy. It, it's so much work. So like you think about like lobster, like what it takes to like prepare far too much work to eat a lobster. Right. Like that's how I feel. I'm too lazy to <laughs> eat. Kate's I've like, never I'll even do it. I'll tried. Do it. Yeah. Give yeah, me I it. know. But like but essentially turtle was the same thing. So it was like a widely accessible meat source for people who didn't have a lot of economic agency available, easy to catch. Exactly. Easy to so kill. Like, from that perspective, like I totally understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Um, in this article that I referenced, um, the author does in detail um outline how to uh prepare a turtle for the soup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and he also goes um on an adventure with a retired cooter hunter. Frank Marshall. <laughs> yeah, that's what I had to call myself after I got married. <laughs> My question is: Do you find most of the cooters near the Beaver Dam? Because that's all I want to know. <laughs> I want to call you Caitlin, even though it's not. <laughs> Just to call you out, what's your middle name, Kate? Are you willing to say what your middle name is? Rachel. <coughs> Kate Rachel. Yeah, yeah, that would. Oh. oh my nunny right there you just channeled my grandmother wow Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so turtle soup widely available really violent uh process to process the turtle for the soup which i'm sure kate will when she regales with, with the recipe later um we'll talk a little bit more about but like i said it was widely available meat source so like that that's what makes it make sense to me um, but it was so ingrained in like North American colonial culture that it was it became like an important dish for like the American Revolution. So like two days after voting for independence in Philadelphia, John Adams celebrated um, with a giant bowl of turtle soup. It is famously his favorite dish. Like he this man talked about turtle soup every chance he had to talk about food. <laughs> like it was like, have you tried turtle soup? Let me serve you turtle soup. I love me some turtle soup. Uh, <laughs> love me some turtle soup. He had it on a t-shirt. He had a hat that just said turtle soup on it. Yeah. So he was he was obsessed. And there's even like turtles used to be way more prevalent in uh, northern uh, like North American and northern New England area, which is John Adams obviously is from like the Boston area. Um, so it would have been more widely available now nowadays and um, even like in the. 18 by the like the mid 1800s to like mid 1900s um we hunted turtles to like near extinction extinction in certain parts of the country so like really only like the southern united states was eating it regularly by like 1890 um 
but we also have two like george washington like he ate turtle soup with his officers um at uh francis tavern in lower manhattan um lincoln had turtle soup um for his second inaugural um celebration and then um before <laughs> please don't kill me melissa uh, before Aaron Burr murdered Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> uh, just a fact. Just, just a fact. fact. It's fine. Both were members of the elite Hoboken Turtle Club. You'd think that it was uh, just made up of people that love turtles, but <laughs> doesn't sound like it. Yeah, it might have. Made up of people that like to eat turtles. Yeah. <laughs> which seems like a weird club to be a part of. But, but yeah, only the really elite. Weird. Only the elite right. people who like to. Yeah. You had to be of a certain caliber of cooter eater. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, God. Okay. <clears throat> so, obviously, there's a couple different reasons why turtle soup fell out of favor. One, it's incredibly fucking hard to prepare. It's really like a violent process to prepare. Um, the food source became really scarce. But then also, um, again, in this wonderful article, I keep referencing a uh, food historian from Yale, Paul Friedman, also um, talks a lot about um, fact the end of um, the end of like localized food sources and the rise of factory farming and industrialization of food and how that had a really big impact on it, too. So suddenly um, people were able to widely access chicken, pork, and beef because those things could be farmed en masse and then um, processed quickly and transported to many people from far away. Um, so suddenly Amer North American white people's diet changed drastically to being chicken, pork, and beef. I yes. have a question, Miss Taravecchia. Um, <laughs> is there, do you know, is there a reason why like turtles couldn't be like essentially factory farmed or was it just not profitable to do the amount so? of labor like just like the same okay. reason why lobsters can't really be like factory farmed is I, they, oh, yeah, they I never even thought of that yeah. i would also i wonder like a chicken goes from baby like in an egg to eatable yeah. full chicken in, in like, like a couple months 15 minutes yeah um like <laughs> yeah it's quick yeah it's, it's quick. fast and i think you know i i think most animals i don't know this but i would think that it's fast and i think reptiles in particular amphibians uh grow incredibly slowly so i wonder how fast it like how many seasons are we talking about right yep oh, yeah, yeah that capitalism. makes sense like the like that's the driving force like is it fast is it easy is it profitable Right. Can you like eliminate variables? Um, you know, the, it's it's like kind of wild because like that has been the driving force behind any decision, especially in our country for like the past 70 years. Mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing a bunch of Not different good, but is yeah, it, is yeah. it profitable? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're seeing a bunch of like kind of fallout from that now. Um, but chicken beef and um ham uh or pork were all like really easy they had fast growth cycles you could standardize their feed you could house them in closed quarters which like isn't great for the animal right but 
you can like technically you can um so it was the most profitable food source or meat source for factory farming to focus on so obviously there's also changing attitudes about like violence that are happening in our country throughout the these decades and centuries too um and like you see this shift from like people not being as willing to like go out and like secure their own food source so even though lobster, like we were talking about earlier, is like equally kind of like difficult to prepare and crack and like and get it to a place where you can actually just consume the meat. <laughs> um, <laughs> the turtle like has to be harvested and they're captured, hunted. And there is like no system or industry to do that. Where like with lobsters, you have like a whole industry of like lobster fishermen who have the boats and the equipment and they know the areas to go provided global warming doesn't destroy everything. <laughs> to <laughs> to go That's out a big and like caveat <laughs> yeah and capture that food source right so like there is there is like resources there where with turtles like they they disappeared so rapidly that like a cottage industry was not able to pop up to be like hey we can go out in the wild and hunt them and then sell them for people to then process on their own so um so the woman who submitted the recipe for turtle soup to a the real psycho cookbook. yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking nuts um she like her name is anna ella carol let's start there okay all right okay. anna anna um she was a constitutional theorist she was like really well read well educated she came from a political family um when she was younger she belonged to the know nothing party um which is like kind of a fucked up political movement in our country's history, but also like it's a white party that hates foreigners. So very xenophobic, anti-foreigner, anti-Catholic, very nationalist focus, thinking about like protecting the American way of life. Mm. Um, mm. And she was born and raised in Maryland. So she would have been like Maryland is is technically the South. It's not the deep South, but like at this point in time, in the you know uh, mid 1800s, she would have had like a lot of access to turtle. Um, so it would have been like a familiar food to her. A lot and of access though, to cooters, some might say. <laughs> a lot of access to cooters. Yeah. Um, she she did own people. Uh, not so fun fact cool. about her. Cool. Her her family That's benefited. The not so fun fact. I mean, all of the well, rest of the stuff. There's not, not so fun. We've yeah, talked she's a lot not so about fun person. Yeah, we've <laughs> talked a lot about how a lot of the you know there was that division in the suffragette movement, true, true, where true, you yeah, had that's people true. that were still super racist and yeah. you know pro slavery, whatever. Yeah, and then you know some of the more liberal who were still probably terrible by today's standards. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So so she and her family directly benefited from slavery. She personally owned people. Um, and then civil war broke out and she was like, you know what? The constitution is on Lincoln's side. So I'm going to do what he says. So it was not like a moral <laughs> impetus of like, I should free all of the people I've enslaved. It was, uh, I don't want a, our state to be part of the civil war. I don't want our state to go to the South because I think the South is constitutionally legally in the wrong. So it was like a very calculated wow. decision on okay. her part. Well, that's like the argument that the war was about states' rights. Right. It's very specific, like taking, okay, well, yeah, technically. Yeah. 
technically you're not wrong. Right. Morally um, and ethically, you're full of shit. Right. There's 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 this thing called context, right? So right. like um so she becomes like uh vehemently pro-union and she ends up like writing letters to newspapers. She writes them under fake names at first because a woman in the, you know, 1850s, 1860s um isn't going to get her opinions published like a man might. Um and she decides to uh free her slaves, like I said, which I think is like really from everything i've read about her like more of a calculated move than like an empathetic you know operating from a place of doing the right thing it's like when a corporation gives little handouts yeah. to their employees <laughs> yeah. like they fix one thing and they're like look at us look yeah. at us and it's like okay but like because you had to right it's good pr yeah. or yeah. You know. it was gonna happen eventually anyway so might as well just do it now which i mean yeah. like don't look a gift horse in the mouth or whatever but like I think yeah. I think she spent way more effort telling everybody about yeah. it than yeah. she did actually doing it, though. Um, right. And it's funny because there's this uh, like we've talked about in previous episodes, there's a division in the suffragette party, um, which really stems from this like civil war period where you have people who are trying to um, be inclusive. So you have like groups of the suffragette movement that um, are listening to black voices and you have groups of the suffragette movement that are like so fucking racist. Um, and there's. You know, like it's it's like a very clear divide. Um, and she becomes kind of like this, like uh, I don't like icon. Um, through all of the crazy shit that I'm about to tell you about. Um, and the people who like think that she's amazing are like she freed her slaves before she had to. And I'm like, yeah, but she she didn't do it until she like wrote a bunch of like letters to the editor about how awesome she was. For free, right? It's yeah. not like she was an abolitionist, <laughs> right? She was not actively <laughs> fighting for the freedom of all people, you know. Right. Um, so th- there's a there's a little caveat there. Um, she also worked kind of as a press secretary of sorts for the governor of Maryland. So her dad was governor of Maryland for a short period of time. He only served like one term, and then after him, this other guy stepped up, and she worked really hard to convince this new governor not to secede from the union. So to make sure that he sided with the North as opposed to the South. And the the governor of Maryland decided to side with the North, which so like she claims that she like actively convinced him. Um, and Lincoln took notice of her and he liked some of the writing because she started publishing things under her real name. He uh, actually secured $50,000 in funds for her to publish some of her pamphlets because he's like, hey, she's a Southerner, uh, but she's on our side. Like maybe she can win more people over to the Northern cause. So he like helped helped her fund the distribution of her writing. And then he even invited her to the White House. Um, And here's where it gets like a little kooky is that um, maybe even a little spooky, maybe uh, not spooky at all. Uh, because oh. I mean, I need equal amounts of kook and spook. And I'm spook. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so she claims that she wrote legal and military strategy for the United States government for the Union for the North, and that mm. both her military and legal strategy were used and implemented widely by men who discredited her and didn't give her like any credit whatsoever. And she petitions them for money for it. So like that's that's within the realm of possibility. Sure, for sure. Oh, for right. yeah, yeah. Like like I'm not saying that that didn't happen, but the level to which she claims ownership is the thing that I find a little bit kooky. So she says that she wrote a legal strategy under which the federal government 
um, was able to like kind of quantify their right to supersede the claims of the state's rights, um, which meant that the union had like ultimate supremacy. The union could say no more slavery. And and that's the way that they could like legally win the war. Um, and she claims that some guy who worked in the Department of War promised to pay her and compensate her for her writings and her time and never was. Um, she ended up petitioning the government to pay her. She brought her claim of, of payment before Lincoln, who, again, had invited her to the White House, had already funded the like, distribution of her pamphlets. And Lincoln was like, uh, no. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think not. <laughs> yeah. Um, her second claim is that she claims she was responsible for the military strategy that broke the Confederacy. Um, so she says that she uh, traveled to Tennessee and she collaborated with a Tennessee riverboat captain whose name was Charles Scott. And they discussed a strategy that used riverways as a way to invade the South. Um, and then she formalized that plan. Yeah, thank you. That's that is the lady that we we're talking about. Mm. She's kind of cute. Uh, I mean, like, I think she cute. Look, abhorrent, probably. But look, she cute. I think it's all the racism that's just not doing it for me. But. Oh, no. I'm just saying purely <laughs> from a physical. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think she cute. Yeah. I mean, whoever painted this maybe made her. Yeah. You I'm know, sure. they didn't they didn't paint her soul. You know, they just paint, painted her outward appearance. Right, and it cute. Right. Um, she cute. So she mm-hmm. claims she like came up with this strategy with this riverboat captain, but that she's the one that like actually like formalized it and like put in the specific details that then the military executed on. She says that Ulysses S. Grant stole the strategy from her. Oh. Um and she and there's this is great. I read an excerpt about from her biography in the Encyclopedia Britta- Britannica. Um and they said that she got a hold of signed affidavits, quote, proving the idea was hers through, quote, nefarious means. Well I was going to say that her bosom <laughs> is ample in that yeah in that yeah. picture so so i mean maybe yeah she, she got cute. some she got some heft but no like, i'm saying which, maybe she um yeah used her let's not womanly ways to <laughs> get some things across that needed to be and then not get any credit for them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Isn't that how it works? Just like fucking men. Yeah. But, but so like the Encyclopedia Britannica says she got all these sign affidavits through nefarious means, but does not elaborate. Yeah. What, is on yeah. what it is. So they're probably. Yeah. That's probably what Kate's referring to. Which, but which I point to that there's a meme going around or whatever. That's like instead of saying she slept her way to the top, say. Uh, mm-hmm. men withheld promotions for sexual gratification because that's what really happened sort mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. where like oh yeah and again uh, I'm especially not... then you're a woman you got to do what you got to do you know besides like owning people you, I don't right. that, count that among the you got to do what you got to do things <laughs> so <laughs> to like, be clear <laughs> all like all of this is not without uh, like outside of the realm of possibility like and women throughout history have like repeatedly <laughs> Have repeatedly the last drop yeah <laughs> melissa's face as she sips yeah, that beverage is just drink. Not... perfection all done what's um, the what's the this yep. is the toddler yeah it's all done shake your hand. all done yep. <laughs> um feeling it but it's just there's just a lot of a lot missing and it's weird to me again lincoln not a perfect guy yeah he ended slavery but he also committed lots of genocides yeah. against native people mm. right so like 
every no there are no heroes in history is my point and we don't really know what happened it could be that she like developed the strategy it could be that she is like really the owner of this strategy could be that she collaborated either way she felt like she was not given her you know her acknowledgments amy she would put- you would you say it's safe to say that no one else was in the room when it happened and so <laughs> so funny you should say that <laughs> is this a hamilton thing okay put, melissa can you pull up the other picture that's in the folder to show kate yeah that is a reference to hamilton melissa which one there's Multiple. The group, the group. I almost said the okay. group photo. The group painting. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The imagined oh. portrait. Yeah, this is an <laughs> imagined portrait of the room where it happened, where, where she's not happened, in the fucking though? room, but an artist painted her in the room where they're signing the eman- Emancipation <laughs> Proclamation. Oh, excellent. Wait, so this she, is her. Yeah, and she's just that dead eye look looking at the yeah. artist. Look at that face. Mm-hmm. But Lincoln. I mean, Lincoln's kind of yeah. But they're the only two. Everybody else is looking at Lincoln. And then those two are like, we know. We know. Look at this guy. Mm-hmm. This guy over here really looks like he knows what's up. Yeah. He just farted. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> totally thinks did. it's real and funny. she knows. Yeah. Look at her. She's like, yeah. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post these on Patreon eventually. Yeah. So you can go look at them. <laughs> we should post close-ups with captions of what mm-hmm. each person uh, okay. is you, thinking. Okay, uh... you... Mm-hmm. I you do that. When I say we should, I don't mean it's actually going to happen, Melissa. Our listeners know that. <laughs> like, I agree that we should, but I'm not clever. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't have time for that. You don't you have time, imagine. and I'm how not clever. How about we post a picture <laughs> on Kate social? Kate doesn't know and how guys... to use technology. I don't. Yeah. It's true. I can come up with some funny ones. but <laughs> We've all got our flaws, all yeah. right? <laughs> how about we just post this on social, and you all come up with your caption? That's a good call. <laughs> That's right there. good. Mm-hmm. All right, I will. Okay, I'm going to download yeah. it right now to my phone so that I remember to post it. <laughs> That's great. So Lincoln called her claims, quote, the most outrageous claims ever made to any government on Earth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, to be fair, he didn't live through 2020. So, yeah. That's or 2021 20, or 2022. Um, 2016. He didn't live much That's longer. True. No. That's true. Also true. <laughs> in general so there's the spooky part melissa oh he's a ghost (laughs) there's some really Um, great podcast episodes about his ghosts i can't think of any of them right now but they definitely exist i know lore definitely has one where his his wife goes to like she goes to various like paranormal experts to try and talk to lincoln and supposedly i mean she thinks that she did interesting stuff very spooky yeah okay so kooky there's it's disputed what she actually contributed and like what her ownership and all these things are she becomes kind of a legend among suffragettes and modern feminists who a modern biographer describes her as quote hands down the most important political woman of the 19th century and then her epitaph reads on her grave a woman rarely gifted and an able and accomplished writer um so like she definitely like changed like the political landscape of the time she influenced didn't say cooter lover i I haven't said cooter in a long time no but i'm saying her (laughs) tombstone tombstone. should have said cooter lover (laughs) oh yes it should have said cooter lover she loves munching on that cooter aka cooter lover (laughs) 
But she used the war, the civil war, as a Amy's way trying to... real hard. I know. I'm right. trying. We're on a time crunch. We're I'm on sorry. a time Yeah, moment. continue, I'm continue. focusing. Um, <laughs> she used the civil war as a means to enter, like, spaces that were previously closed off to her. So we've talked before about how suffragettes, like, suddenly were becoming politically active. They're doing fundraising. They're, like, doing accounting and bookkeeping. They're uh, entering the medical fields. Like, all of a sudden, war... All I was Violence. saying earlier was that her cooter was opening doors. Yes. <laughs> That's all I was saying. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this is a common theme, like using violence in war as like a way to enter like <laughs> other. <laughs> I'm ignoring what Kate's saying entirely. We're both acting like nothing happened. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kate's head is exploding. <laughs> Um, so you see this in the Civil War. You see this in World War One, which we've talked about on previous episodes this season, too. And you see it all the way through World War Two also. Um, but in World War One, like the suffragette movement lashes onto this like idea of using war and violence as a way as a means of communication. So as a way of entering spaces. Um, so, for instance, in over across the pond in England, we have the Pankhurst family, Emmeline Pankhurst and her three daughters, Christabel, Sylvia and Adela. And they become the most prominent leaders of the English suffragette movement. And they are bombing shit. So like they have moved past just like writing strongly worded letters and petitioning governments that they don't even have a right to vote whether or not they're elected. They are bombing shit. Um, I have a picture in there of uh, Christabel Pankhurst, um, and uh, she looks really fucking serious, and I would not want to cross her at all. Um, but there's this great quote from her, if men use explosives and bombs of their own purpose, they call it war. Um, and then the throwing of a bomb that destroys other people is then described as a glorious and heroic deed. Why should a woman not make use of the same weapons as men? It is not only war we have declared. We are fighting for a revolution. So they evolve from just being like, I, I would I would assume that people like um, like the men in uh, the day of Carol would describe her as being uppity. Mm. Um, <sighs> yeah, I know. I hate that word, too. She's just being hysterical. Yeah. So emotional. Uh, the men of, uh, you know, just a couple decades later, uh, describing the Pankhurst family, probably like very different, stronger words. And the thing is, is that any movement needs the most vocal, the loudest, the most uppity or even violent sometimes people because it makes the other people who are doing the productive work. Like, I don't think violence is productive, but it makes the other people seem more sane and more reasonable Mm. and then you want to reason with those people like so like the pankhurst were like like i said like they uh, they attacked a young winston churchill with a horse whip which i think is fucking hilarious (laughs) oh (laughs) they you imagine him fucking rolling around (laughs) yeah it was great broken Um, cigar in his mouth (laughs) they uh in liverpool a bunch of suffragettes who followed the Pankhurst disguised themselves as merchants, um, but actually were armed with missiles and attacked the prime minister. Um, they missiles? Set, wow. Yes. They set fire to the theater uh, Royale in Dublin. They threw a hatchet at the Irish um, MP, John Redman. They bombed and burned down buildings, railroad stations. Like they were fucking like 
for real hardcore. Yeah. Um, there's a picture in here too that's from a newspaper uh clipping. It's the pavilion on Yarmouth Pier where they like burnt the whole fucking building down and there's like a before and after. So the top is the before, like that's the size of the building. And then the after is just like the bones of the building. So like the movement needed. Don't fuck with me, fellas. Yeah. These like extremists. They're serious. Yeah. They're not just some women that are like, you know. Shrill. Not just some shrill Yeah. Or they're like, uh, you think too highly of themselves or Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. So you have this evolution of violence to the women's suffragette movement because... Like, nobody's fucking listening to the women who are just, like, following, like, political discourse and writing letters. No one's listening to them. And they do that for decades and nothing changes. They hold conferences. They hold meetings. They write pamphlets. Nothing changes. But when women start fucking bombing shit, (laughs) suddenly the politicians are willing to negotiate with the, like, moderate suffragettes. So there's this pamphlet here that's like suddenly this divide starts to grow where it's not along necessarily racial lines. It's along like the lines of violence. So like we're not like the violent suffragettes. We're not like we just we just want women to have the right to vote. Um, So you have this idea that like you need both. You need like the extreme and the moderate because if you don't have like the extreme the moderate seems extreme. Right. <clears throat> like you, you need the spectrum to be as big as possible. So that way you can move the needle of progress as much as you can. So although Carol, when she, uh, you know, she w- was considered like revolutionary for her day, she like laid this pathwork where we just kept widening that spectrum and kept allowing for more and more and more violence. So that's why I think it's really interesting. And she included the recipe for turtle soup in the suffragette cookbook because it is such a violent (laughs) recipe like there's like and it's like it's almost like a manifestation of like that violence that she wasn't able to like manifest in her real life because like you can see everything she does she gets so frustrated her letters she writes her books she writes like her the way she petitions congress like no one ever takes her seriously throughout her whole life Mm -hmm. so with that kate Oh, tell us about this nightmare dish. (laughs) So I'm going to say, I'm prefacing this by saying I was truly going to call an audible today and I was going to veto this. Like, I was like, I can't read this. This Oh, my God. I love this. This is traumatizing. And to the point where I was talking to my husband and I was just like, I don't think I can do it. I think I need to message them and tell them I'm calling in sick. I'm not doing it. I can't. I can't do it. Oh, my God. So. But she pulled it together. Yeah. I hate it. She's here. I hate it. And she thought of the greater good. I'm having. I am. I am throwing my pumpkin on the ground and kicking it because (laughs) I hate it so much. All right. right. Oh, Here we go. Uh, can oh, I tell so, this little uh, story first? Tr- I, I was just going to give a trigger warning for, oh, I assume animal violence. Yeah. Yeah. Animal all the cruelty. Violence, the, all of the violence. The okay. violentest is. Just want to make sure we throw that warning out bad. there. It's real just bad. in case. Yeah. Yeah. But before I, before I tell, before I read this, I'm going to tell you the story. So the uh, last week, so the Terrapin moon just happened, uh, which yeah. is the full moon, the Terrapin moon. Um, 
And the funny thing about that is, you know, I don't know, Mother Nature knows what they're doing. And so a lot of turtles move right around the Terrapin Moon. That's just like their thing. So uh, I was driving. Nobody else is going to know what this means, but I was driving between um, Nashua and Merrimack. There's like a a cut across street and it's all wetlands on both sides of the street. And I was uh, there like as I'm driving, I and it's a busy, like fast, like lots of traffic. It's a main road. It's a main road. Yeah, yeah, Um, it's a main road. And uh, there was like a car pulled over and I saw this guy who had a white trash bag and I saw like a gigantic turtle like in the middle of one of the lanes. And I was just like, oh, no, that guy's not going to be able to do anything with that turtle. And I had I had jeans and a couple of like denim jackets in my back seat. So I was just like, because I figured it was going to be a snapping turtle. And <clears throat> those things are brutal. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, OK, so I pulled over on the other side of the road and I like run across. I'm wearing like ballet flats and a dress. And I've got like these two <laughs> jeans and uh the turtle whisperer yeah well and like so the guy was basically like he actually had a big blanket but this was the biggest snapping turtle this was the biggest turtle i have ever seen in my entire life outside of like an aquarium the aquarium yeah oh wow he, he was enormous my grandfather would have referred to him as like um trash can lid size like he was huge he wasn't quite that big but he was yeah. like probably i assume he might have been a she it was probably a she because she was badass like so she was like i don't know 18 inches across maybe like enormous and um like when we pissed it off enough to get it moving uh (laughs) that thing moved fast so that was the other thing i was just like oh shoot like this guy's this this guy's coming from my toes. Uh, but luckily, <laughs> it did get across the street and um, you know, got to safety. Like, but the the guy that was you know he was like, just be careful. He's he's real ornery, and I was just like, you don't get to be that big by not being ornery. Like <laughs> yeah. that guy that guy's got some you know, like attitude. <laughs> it was enormous. It was huge. And so that's now I'm um all I could think about was my friend Turtle that I helped across Aww. the street as I'm raiding this. Horrific. It would have been great for a a turtle frolic. (laughs) Oh, no. I was going to say, nothing like the little tiny turtle that Amy helped across the road when we went camping. He also ran fast. Yes. As soon as, because he was right in the middle of like the trail or whatever that we were driving by. So I have a picture of Amy just like outside of the car, just kind of like shooing. Yeah. Yeah. But he was just a little guy. He wasn't like, I mean, he was a good sized turtle, but he wasn't like big this not guy, like that this, this yeah this guy was giant and when when it like finally kind of stood up and like put its art like neck out and stuff i was like morla oh my gosh <laughs> but like yeah it was it was wild and it was a dinosaur like it was i loved him her it so much i'm looking <laughs> up which snapping turtles are the biggest we, this guy was I, this guy was huge enormous before you look that up, Melissa, we have less than 20 minutes. <laughs> yes, I know. Males are generally larger. Okay. Well, boo. This lady, this, this, whatever. It was amazing. It says the majority of turtles more than 22 pounds are males. This was, I guarantee you guys, this guy was 
more than 22 pounds. He was. It doesn't mean it couldn't have been a lady. No. Look, mm-hmm. we stand some big ladies. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. Anyway. I or love him. Her. They. I loved him. And it. And they. And. <sighs> So something to draw upon in this in this moment. No, no, that's the thing. This is what I'm saying. I'm trying. You told the story. All right. Let me tell you this amazing story about how I rescued a turtle right before I tell you how to murder a turtle. Yeah. (laughs) To cook terrapin. Yeah. Decidedly, the terrapin has to be killed before cooking. And the killing is often no easy matter. The head must be cut off. As it as and as the sight is particularly acute, the cook must exercise great ingenuity in concealing the deadly weapon. I have known half an hour to be consumed in the effort. When accomplished, the terrapin is put in cold water and boiled until the feet can be easily pulled off. Remove it from the water, take off the bottom of the shell. Separate the four quarters. Be careful to take the gall from the liver. Then utilize every part but the sandbag and the intestines. Season with cayenne salt and a little pepper. Put in a small quantity of the water in which it was boiled. Add three or four ounces of butter and a pint of good cream. Stew for 10 minutes. So you stew it with the shell on? Like in the shell. I think you... Because it won't separate. Because you're taking off the bottom of the shell. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's a sandbag? I I think it's probably part of the insides, like the gut. The well, gizzard, like I know, the, but what is it? I don't know a gullet thing. Like it probably, it's probably the thing that like filters out the sand so that just hangs yeah. out in there. Yeah, because like when you cook clams and stuff, they like get really. Like there can be a lot of sand. When I try and look it up, I just get a lot of like uh, almost like Beanie Baby type things, <laughs> which are just turtles that are little plushies filled with mm-hmm. sand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But okay, can, can that's you? it. That's oh, it. that's it. Oh, that's, that's not even that bad. Yeah, there's. I think it's um, not great, but there's um, until the feet can be pulled off. But it's yeah, already it's- dead. <laughs> Anyways. I mean, when you boil a lobster, you boil it until you can rip all its extremities off. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing comes up. Organ? It's, what can I put? The whole thing talks about how the turtle's eyesight is very good. Yeah. So no. So it like knows. You sneak up on it. <laughs> how you're going to cut its head off. Yeah. Like, mm, um. There's also a very graphic description in the, the article I mentioned earlier about how to prepare a turtle for turtle soup. Um, and it, I'm not going to read it because I think we've had enough of that. But it ends. Um, uh, it's described by uh, Bubba. Bubba. Um, Bubba Gump? Just Bubba. He was, Bubba he was helping shrimp. catch cooter that day. Uh-huh. And, yeah, Bubba. Um, great cooter catcher. Yeah. Uh, apparently turtles have a, a large amount of yellow fat. And if not prepared correctly, uh, that you have to remove it for before you put it, like remove it from the soup because it tastes not great. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and he said he got a mouthful of fat in some badly prepared cooter and couldn't eat cooter for a decade. 
I'm wondering if that's like what I'm picturing is when like the leftovers from when someone gets like liposuction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's yep. like yellow and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I imagine I'm to keep them warm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, to like that's just so everybody regular. knows. I laugh a lot it, when I'm it, uncomfortable. So like, it takes a lot less to turn me off of a food than that. So yeah. So just in case anybody is wondering, the mock turtle in Alice in Wonderland that m- makes perfect sense to me now, because the mock turtle has like a turtle shell for a body, but it's got like a head of like a deer or not or like a cow right it's got like a cow head and then like cow legs and feet right something like that um mock turtle soup became like hugely popular after turtle soup was sort of fell out of fashion um and it was made with yeah i'm looking at it right now it looks like chili yeah it was made with ground beef or like yeah yeah so so I, I'm assuming that the mock turtle in Alice in Wonderland is like turtle, that, but with cow. Do we want to hear an old timey recipe for mock turtle soup real quick? Another one. Sure. Ooh, I think yeah. I'm looking at but the same mock, thing. But it's mock turtle <laughs> soup. Oh, mock turtle soup. Awesome. It's yeah, also, <laughs> also like Campbell's used to make canned mock turtle soup. Really? Mm-hmm. So it says mock turtle soup. I think it's this is a handwritten recipe. So it's I think it says two pounds ground beef, three quarts hot water, one small bottle of catsup, three hard boiled eggs, finely chopped, juice of a lemon or more to taste, two medium onions chopped fine. Uh, oh, uh, 30 ginger snap cookies. Okay. Three quarter three quarter bottle of Worcestershire sauce. Pour water over meat and ginger snap cookies. Let stand for 10 minutes. Add catsup. I'm saying catsup because it's spelled that way and I think it's Mm -hmm. funny. Uh, Worcestershire sauce, eggs, lemon juice, onions, and let all simmer for two to three hours. Note, soup bone optional. Very good. Mm. I do not use soup bone, but I'm sure it would give more flavor. It's on a note at the bottom. I was looking at a different recipe for mock turtle soup. Well, this is a handwritten one, so I assume. Oh, yeah, it's someone's mom's recipe. Yeah. This, so the one I'm I don't know at what is, the cookies are all about. Is well, that's English. like that's a very like the ginger snap cookies and Worcestershire sauce is a very like German kind of sweet and sour flavor. Like oh, at least in my my old timey German household, it was like yeah, lots of sour broughten and stuff. So apparently in uh, the United States, mock turtle soup can be made with ground beef or gator. Gator. Uh, oh. Um, in I remember England, going to Texas and a guy asking me, because I didn't eat meat, asking me uh, if I considered gator an animal. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, can I have a salad? <laughs> and he was like, do you want extra bacon on that salad? I barely <laughs> ate when I was in yeah. Texas. This was yeah. a long time ago. This imagine. was like 15 years ago. They mm-hmm. had nothing. <laughs> um but yeah the uh in england apparently uh mock turtle soup is made with a uh, calf head oh yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah 
Which so, is why you have that the visual of from Alice in Wonderland yeah. of the mock turtle having yeah. a cow's head. Oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Because okay, it was like ho- it was sense. like the leftover bits of a cow. So right. it was like right, right, the right. head, the hooves, the whatever you got left. So throw what, it in. So what is interesting about all that, but not like really interesting. What is interesting <laughs> about all that is the that recipe for the the turtle soup mm-hmm. didn't have any like tomato. Base yeah. or any kind of real seasoning or anything. Yeah. And cayenne. So, yeah, and cayenne, which is very yeah. fancy. <laughs> like, yeah. that's some crazy s- seasoning well, for that. Actually, that is the most seasoned of any um, of the rest of the That's what I was really thinking seen. when you were reading it. Yeah. But, like, yeah, 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 it's weird that the mock turtle soup doesn't seem to have any, like, it's supposed to be fake. It's supposed to be the turtle soup, but without turtle. Right. Is what mm-hmm. I just read. Right. But it's nothing like it. So that no. seems very weird. Like you just made a weird chili with uh, this one, anyways. That I read, you made a weird chili with cookies in it. Yeah, I think it's so, to mimic the weird flavor because turtle has a very weird flavor, apparently. But if um, you use a calf yeah. head, you uh, get that same. It's closer to the texture <laughs> and the flavor, according to. Imagine this. you get a lot of collagen from a calf head. <laughs> yeah, th- mm-hmm. I think that's what it because, like, tur- like I said, turtles brains. have a lot of. Like fat, like yellow fat. So it's that like I don't weird. Think the chewy brains are still in it. Fat texture. I don't. Gross. Know. What do you do with the turtle head? That's part of the soup too, isn't it? Because you I cut it off cut it and then you just throw it in the soup. Doesn't say. Didn't say whether you discard it or not. The no. recipe that's in the article is: uh, you lop off the head and drain the blood. <laughs> so. Mm. Mm. Fun stuff all around. All right. Well, on that not not on that not on that note, our <laughs> Halloween, Halloween episode <laughs> has been sufficiently disgusting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, talked about more how women can be just as violent as men when we really put our old noggins to it mm-hmm. and our cooters. Yep. <laughs> we really. And how that Think makes men listen it. more somehow. Yeah, no, true. <laughs> so uh, you heard it here at first, ladies. Just be more violent. Yeah. Do more crime. <laughs> Do more crime. <laughs> be more gay. Yeah. Eat some cooter. Uh, <laughs> or mock cooter. Or mock cooter. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know either. That's going down a path I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to explore that either. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. That was a really long wait for that one. Yeah. The end of fucking motorcycle right at the Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit DrunkDish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at DrunkDishPod and Instagram at DrunkDish. And again, thanks for listening.